So Zeb, anybody here, anybody here have an Apple Watch? Anybody? Yeah, one, a couple of people. The Apple Watch, they're um, kind of unbelievable, aren't they? I don't have one, but I was kind of learning a little bit about them. Um, it's a watch, but like that's the least that it does is tell time. Like that's, you don't even, you don't get one with Apple Watch to, to check the time. It's like, uh, it's crazy. It's like, it's like having a laptop on your wrist almost, but like it's the size of a watch. It's like an iPod, it's like an iPhone. Um, it is a phone, you can call people, you can text. It's got GPS. It can monitor your heart rate, um, your blood oxygen level. It lets you know if you have an irregular heartbeat. Some crazy, they, this one, I don't even know how they possibly, this works, but you, um, if you fall, if you have like a, like a really bad fall, you hit the ground and then there's no movement, somehow it, it, it's aware of that and it waits for a while. And if there's no movement after this fall, then emergency services are uh, alerted. So it's just incredible. Um, anyway, I'm talking about it because I saw this commercial uh, not too long ago for the Apple Watch. It was, like it was an online commercial, so it was more like you know four or five minutes long, and it was pretty cool. It had these, I think, four people who were profiled who basically said that their lives were saved because they had a, an Apple Watch, and then they very quickly kind of told the story. One guy was, he was in the water. He was a, a kite surfer. He was in, uh, I think, the Gulf of Mexico, and anyway, he's out there doing the kite surfing thing and then uh, the weather got real bad real fast and he got pulled further out and there was nobody around and it was becoming like he could not get back on his own uh, and even he remembered he remembered he had this Apple watch so he just he made a call GPS stuff kicked in and he was rescued um, so the guy was, uh, was a kid was a teenage kid who uh, was asking his parents for one for Christmas he was an athlete and he wanted to use it for working out. And, and they were like, the father was funny. He was like, you know, the thing was like a couple hundred bucks. Like, does he really need this phone? But they got it for him or this, this watch. And then one day the kid is uh, in his room, comes walking out to, his, to the dad and he says, dad, this thing is beeping. And it's telling him that um, his heart rate, the kid's heart rate is seriously elevated. And uh, so they took him to the doctor, and then the doctor said, get him to the ER. And they're saying, had they not gotten to this, if they had waited much longer, this kid might, this kid might have died. Um, and he had no idea. The kid didn't know his, his heart was racing. Um, anyway, just a couple of other stories. Car accident, person you know, had no way of contacting. You know, the phone was on the floor of the car. The car was crushed. And she remembered she's got this thing on her wrist. Uh, so anyway, it was just very well done, this commercial, very compelling stories. You know, at one point, the dad, uh, that was probably the best one, because he's talking, and then the kid is sort of in the background, and he's just kind of listening to him tell this story, and then the dad kind of looks over at him, and he says, you know, I couldn't imagine life without him. And then he pauses, and he starts to get choked up, the dad does, and the kid kind of just rolls his eyes, like, you know, come on, dad. Um, and then the, the dad goes, just, he goes, uh, Man, thank God for Steve Jobs. Thank God for Jesus. He's kind of responsible for it all. 
Um, kind of the irony there was Steve Jobs never even saw the Apple Watch. He died five or six years before it even came out. But, you know, it's kind of responsible for it all. No, no Steve Jobs, kind of ultimately no, no Apple Watch. He paved the way. Um, now I'd like to just tell you a little bit about this person that I heard about who's kind of connected to all of this in a strange way. Uh, this woman, her name was uh, Joanne Scheibel, the 1950s, I think it was 1954. She was in college in the Midwest, uh, University of Wisconsin. I think she was a sophomore. She's dating this guy um, who was from Syria. And her father, this woman's father, was like not okay with that at all. Uh, the guy was kind of a tyrant, her father. And he wanted her to have nothing to do with this guy. Uh, anyway, she finds out she's pregnant. Uh, so now it's like, this is like she's scared to death about going home and she didn't even want them dating. Now she's pregnant. Um, she kind of knows she can't go home, sadly. And uh, so she goes, she goes to San Francisco and she has the baby. Uh, and the plan was, she should, I'll, I'll have the baby and I'll just put the baby up for adoption. And she does. Uh, somehow she connects with this couple, California couple. Their name was uh, Paula and Clara Jobs. She had a baby boy. Uh, this, these adopted parents named him Stephen. Stephen Jobs. Steve Jobs. Um, I mean, think about it. Like, imagine how life would have been different for lots of people in that set of circumstances. And life would have been different for that kite surfer, wouldn't it? If there's no Steve Jobs, I guess there's no, there's no Apple Watch. That commercial, the father, he said, the father of the teenager, he goes, thank God for Steve Jobs. Well, that's true, but man, thank God for Steve Jobs' birth mother, right? Thank God she made the decision that she did. Thank God she protected her baby. The baby that she never knew. You know, isn't it kind of like, it's, uh, it's like the George Bailey principle. It's a wonderful life. It's like the difference one life can make and how it just exponentially impacts crazy numbers of people. I think there's also a commentary on like the courage that's sometimes needed to protect those lives whoever they might be. You know, I think in a way, it's what this, this gospel is talking about, this parable that Jesus speaks. Um, this vineyard, he describes this vineyard. Well, we're the vineyard. This guy owns the vineyard. Well, the guy who owns the vineyard is God. And he's got this awesome vineyard. And he protects it. And we know he values it. And we know he protects it because it says he puts, he puts up this hedge, kind of like a fence, and then he builds this tower. Well, they were both very practical. They were to keep the bad guys out. Wolves and thieves. If you had somebody work in the tower, when somebody tried to come in and steal the grapes, they'd be stopped before they got there. And the hedge would slow them down as well. Because what's in the vineyard is precious. Because it comes from God. 
So it just totally has to be honored and protected. You know, that kid, when you were in high school, go back to high school for a minute. Man, you guys are, you guys are in high school up front here, but go back to high school. Okay, how old you are. I'll bet you'll remember that kid who just wasn't protected. That kid who was disrespected endlessly. Probably a kid who was kind of different because of his, the fact that he was different, you know, he became the target. And then you just, you witnessed like atrocious cruelty. Just like meanness on the parts of kids. And I'm absolutely thinking of the one I knew. And I remember more than anything, the worst used to happen on our school bus. And I always remember just kind of feeling so bad for this kid because of what these idiots would do on the back of the bus to this kid, just humiliate him. And I remember I just look out the window. Like, you didn't even want to see it. You didn't even want to look at it. I just kind of looked the other way. Well, you can't look the other way. You know, part of what confirmation says, I think, is this. There's no looking the other way. Like, Christians don't, shouldn't look out the window when stuff is going on in the bus that's unacceptable. Because that kid is part of the vineyard, as much as Steve Jobs was to his birth mother. Remember the movie? Maybe you saw it, or maybe you read the book, uh, American Sniper. It's about uh, Chris Kyle, right? Chris Kyle? Yeah, he was a Navy SEAL. It was kind of his story. Um, Clint Eastwood directed the movie, but there's kind of a cool scene in the movie, it's a, he's having a, like a flashback to when he was a kid. So we kind of get to, you know, we're watching the movie. We have this image of him as a kid with his brother and his mother and his dad. They're sitting at the kitchen table. And the father says to him, uh, hey, there, he's talking to the two boys. And he says, uh, there's three kinds of people in the world. There are sheep. And sheep are kind of, they're weak. And they're scared. And they're, they're innocent. They don't have a lot of confidence. They're scared. So you got the sheep, and then he says, we've also got wolves. And well, you know what wolves do? They go after the sheep. They know where the sheep are vulnerable, and that's what they go after. And then he goes, uh, and the third kind of person are sheepdogs. He says, sheepdogs, they stop, they stop the wolves. They get in between the wolves and the sheep. And his father says to his two boys, well, number one, God help you if I ever find out that you're a, you're a wolf. But not only, not only you better not be a wolf, it was like, you need to be a sheepdog. You need to protect the sheep because the sheep are part of the vineyard. The sheep matter too. So you gotta go to bat for the sheep that you encounter. Oh, and maybe, you know what, that was the scene in the movie. I'd actually add a fourth person. You got the sheep, you got the wolves, you got the sheep dog, and then you get the person who sits on the bus and looks out the window. 
and allows the wolves to crush the sheep, the people who do nothing. Well, I think confirmation says this. I think our faith says this. I think Jesus said this in today's gospel. You can't let people trash the vineyard because everybody who's in the vineyard is sacred and deserves respect and dignity. I remember reading this. Um, somebody sent me this story. It was about a. It was written by a poet. He, but he's telling. It's not a poem. He's telling the story about. He was born in Russia. He talks about during World War II, and he talked about the experience of that. But then there's one particular memory he had. I guess this was after uh, Hitler failed. He tried to invade the Soviet Union, but it failed. But there was. The Russian people paid a huge price, a lot of bloodshed. So he talks about being a little kid with his mother, and they go to Moscow, because this is where these German uh, prisoners are now going to be marched through the streets to be kind of humiliated. This is what he says. In 1941, my mother took me back to Moscow. There I saw our enemies for the first time. Nearly 20,000 German war prisoners would have been marched in a single column through the streets of Moscow. The pavement swarmed with onlookers, cordoned off by police and soldiers. The crowd was almost all women. Every one of them must have had a father or a husband or a brother or a son who had been killed by the Germans. They gazed with hatred in the direction in which the prisoners were about to pass by. They were clenching their fists. The anger was palpable. The, police, the policemen and the soldiers had all they could to hold them back. And then something happened. They came into view. The soldiers, the German soldiers. They had been starved. They were thin. They were wearing dirty, blood-stained bandages. They were unshaved, hobbling on crutches or leaning on the soldiers of their comrades. She, he says they walked with their heads down. And then the street became dead silent. The only sound was the shuffling of boots and the thumping of crutches. And then something else happened. I saw an elderly woman push herself forward and touch a policeman's shoulder, saying, let me through. Something about her made him step aside. So she went up to the soldiers and took from inside her coat a piece of bread. And she pushed it awkwardly into the pocket of a soldier who looked so exhausted that he was tottering on his feet. And then something else happened. Women began to run toward these soldiers pushing into their hands bread and chocolate, cigarettes, whatever they had, whatever comfort they could offer them. The soldiers were no longer enemies. They were people. Hey guys, we need you four up front here. We need everybody, but you four today. You can't look out the window when you see somebody who's, who's being hurt. 
somebody who's vulnerable being taken advantage of. You know, something happened to the apostles at Pentecost. They stopped being scared, or at least they stopped giving in to fear. Maybe they continued to be scared. We're all scared. But they stopped running. And they started to protect the vineyard. Well, we need you guys to be courageous and bold and caring. We need you to be on that school bus and not look out the window. We need you to be like Steve Jobs' mom or that old Russian woman who pushed her way through the crowd with the piece of bread. We need you to protect the vineyard.